Today's show is sponsored by CloudZero. For software-driven companies focused on growing margins, CloudZero is the only cloud cost intelligence platform that puts engineering in control by connecting technical decisions to business results. By analyzing cloud services like AWS and Snowflake, CloudZero provides real-time cost insights that help you maximize margins. Engineering teams can answer critical questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What's the cost impact of re-architecting this application? With cost anomaly alerts via Slack, product-specific data views, and granular engineering context that makes it easy to investigate any cost, CloudZero is your complete cloud cost intelligence platform, connecting the dots between high-level trends and individual line items. Join companies like Drift, Rabbit7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com cloudcast to get started today. That's cloudzero.com slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. We start to move into the sort of middle third of July here in 2021. And temperatures starting to heat up. People are starting to go on some vacations. And uh, that would give you a nice Sunday perspective show to think about some stuff over the weekend. And as you start your week, hope everybody, again, is, is doing well. You know, one of the questions that came up on the mailbag uh, a couple of weeks ago was, you know, do we expect to see any big changes uh, amongst the cloud providers, right? You know, as it is now, the pecking order is sort of, uh, Amazon, AWS, uh, Microsoft with Azure, and then, uh, you know, depending on who you talk to, either Google or Alibaba, typically Google sort of third and, and then Alibaba. Um, you know, and as I was thinking about that, um, you know, it's always easy at any given time, especially as, as one company continues to do fairly well, uh, to sort of say, yeah, you know, I, I expect things will just sort of stay the same, right? We'll, we'll see Amazon continue to do very well. We'll continue to see Microsoft do well. And I was, I was thinking about it, um, you know, I started digging into the different companies just to sort of better understand not only their, their personality, their strategy, sort of the things that make them unique, but also when you talk about the three big cloud companies, you really kind of have to talk about their, their parent company as well, um, because, you know, they do so many other things um, that, you know, cloud is a part of it. And, you know, you sort of want to put it in the context of, of kind of what they do overall. And as I was digging into it, it really uh, kind of dawned on me as I was thinking about Microsoft in particular, um, the amount of change that's gone on at Microsoft since Satya Nadella took over as CEO in 2014. And as I started to really dig into it, I thought, you know, this would be kind of an interesting topic to dive into um, and really kind of look at the amount of change they had to go through, the uh, the, the choices they had to make, because um, there were some very, very significant choices. There were some very, very significant baggage left over from the previous leadership that had been there. And um, so I thought what we'd do in today's show is really kind of dive into how Microsoft and in particular, uh, you know, Azure, but but kind of all of Microsoft has evolved, um, Azure obviously being a huge part of it, um, as we dig into that. And then we're going to dig into that right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by Okta, the leading independent identity solution. Okta provides best-in-class authorization so your customers and workforce can safely access what they need most right when they need it from anywhere. Organizations around the world trust Okta's identity cloud to sign in, authorize, and manage users, whether it's employees, contractors, partners, or customers. And with Okta's developer tools, you'll never have to build authentication again. 
Our customizable code blocks are flexible and future-proof with easy-to-use APIs and SDKs, so you can do less coding and more shipping. Okta is dedicated to building the most reliable, neutral identity platform because it means protecting more than a login. Identity is protecting people, their ideas, their work, their brilliance. It's protecting your future with confidence. Learn more at Okta.com. That's O-K-T-A.com. Today's show is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. You know how much we value ongoing education on the Cloudcast. And CBT Nuggets is exactly what Aaron and I wish we had when we were trying to get our certification early in our careers. CBT Nuggets is all about bringing a personalized touch to learning about cloud computing, virtualization, networking, DevOps, and much, much more. Whether it's their hands-on labs with personalized coaching or the online chat functions that come up with every instructor-led course, CBT Nuggets' team of experts is always there to help you get the most from your training and your PASA certification. You can check it all out at cbtnuggets.com slash cloudcast and sign up for a free trial. You get access to the full catalog of great training, including virtual labs, quizzes, and other premium features completely free for the first seven days. That's cbtnuggets.com slash cloudcast. And we're back. And, you know, I think what we're going to do with this show, uh, you know, we've done a number of shows sort of lesson learned from, uh, you know, some of the, the technologies or technology companies um, that, you know, sort of took off and, and maybe went through some transitions. But I really kind of want to do sort of a lessons learned from, you know, the sort of the tenure of Satya Nadella at Azure, because I think it's really interesting, especially not only how Microsoft's transformed uh, since 2014 when he took over, but really kind of also put it in the context of of any company who is going through some sort of transition, right? Um, you know, one of the big things that gets talked about all the time is that, you know, from uh, computing paradigm to computing paradigm, it's very unusual to see the leading company continue to uh, to be even, you know, not not just lead from transition to transition, but be, even be relevant from transition to transition. And we've seen this, um, you know, from mainframe to microcomputers to desktops and PCs to the internet, now cloud. And then we're, you know, kind of seeing how long cloud will sort of stretch itself out when it starts to, you know, we start to talk about things like edge and IoT and other forms of computing and so forth. And, you know, and if we put Microsoft in context, right, Microsoft has been, you know, a really significant uh, technology company since the 70s. And they've been through the PC uh, era. Um, they went through the cloud era and mobile and so forth. Um, didn't necessarily, you know, start off great and in some cases sort of failed. So I thought what I would do is sort of dive through that and really kind of look at it because I think some of the changes they've made, the choices they've made, have been really interesting, and I not only want to look at them by themselves, but also look at them in the context of, you know, uh, how what other companies may be thinking about and, and how they go through transitions. So, let's start with some context. Uh, you know, prior to Satya Nadella, uh, Microsoft had had gone through some significant changes. Um, Mike, you know, Bill Gates, the original uh, founder and CEO, uh, had sort of stepped away from the business. Um, Steve Ballmer had taken over as CEO. Um, he had uh, obviously a very large business that uh, they had built, but he really went through some transitional phases. And you know, I think um, you know if you think about where Microsoft was as of 2014 when when Satya Nadella was named CEO. You know, they had, uh, I mean, they had a you know very strong business, very large business, especially driven by, uh, you know, Windows, uh, Microsoft Office, Windows Server. That was kind of the core of their business, if you will. But they had really kind of failed on a number of really significant things. Um, you know, and so if I, if I think about that, 
Um, essentially, they failed at social networking. Um, they you know, weren't able to create their own social network. Uh, they failed in an attempt to acquire uh, like Facebook. Um, so sort of failed there. You know, they had failed in search. Um, you know, Bing had never really taken off. Um, they essentially were, uh, at some point, began to sort of uh, outsource that to, uh, to Google. Um, they really had failed at mobile. Uh, Windows Mobile never really took off. They tried to basically make Windows Mobile uh, desktop, uh, you know, sort of a small form factor of a desktop. Um, they lost very badly to both uh, Apple and, and Android. Um, you know, tried to sort of make it up by buying Nokia. It was like a $10 billion acquisition that Steve Ballmer did. Um, that failed. Um, you know, they, they never really made it in in streaming. You think about all the streaming services, right? They had a, a big early footprint in media with things like MSNBC and um, the Microsoft MSN network and so forth. But, you know, things like Netflix and Hulu and plenty of other streaming things sort of, uh, you know, were in their place. Um, and then, you know, at the time, um, you know, Windows was really looked at, um, especially, you know, 2012, 2013, was really looked at as kind of a laggard. Mac was, you know, there was the famous Mac versus Windows commercials and, you know, constantly making Windows look like this just old timey thing that your dad ran. And it was, you know, wasn't really, wasn't slick, didn't have any pizzazz. Um, so, you know, Microsoft was in not the not the best place in the world. Now, granted, they had a, you know, they had a very large uh, revenue footprint. I think they were doing about $85 billion at the time. Uh, so Satya Nella comes along. And, you know, as I think about the challenges that he sort of had, and you think about where they are today, um, you know, there are a number of areas that he really, really changed. Um, he got them into, and, and the reason the reason I think this is interesting is because, you know, in, I think in the past, or with a lot of companies, they would have said, well, you know, who are we competing against? We're competing against Google, Apple, uh, Facebook, um, Amazon, you know, lots of the, the big players because of their size. And they might have said, well, we need to double down on some things. You know, maybe we, maybe we failed before we got to double down and try some things. And Nadella really kind of moved them, you know, they, they sort of skipped certain stages. They really didn't necessarily double down on some things. And, you, you know, if you think about where they are today, um, they, they got into gaming, uh, made a big acquisition that eventually got them Minecraft and started Xbox Studios and so forth. So they got into gaming. They saw that um, early on, and they've done very, very well with Xbox. Um, I think one of the biggest things is they, I mean, they were a Windows company, right? I mean, they were very, very Windows-centric. And I think probably one of the things that probably opened their eyes at the time was, you know, realizing that, uh, you know, when mobile came along and it wasn't Windows-centric, that there was going to be an entire ecosystem of things that weren't going to run Windows, right? They're going to run Android, they're going to run uh, iOS and so forth. And what was really interesting, I think, is um, as they evolved the Azure cloud, it started supporting Linux. And that was a big deal at the time. You know, I think people look at it now and they go, oh yeah, well, every cloud has Linux. But it was a big deal for Microsoft to support Linux. I, I want to say uh, the numbers I've heard is about half or so of the workloads that run on uh, on the Azure cloud are now Linux. Maybe it's more than that at this point. But, you know, they they had to disavow themselves from Windows being um, the core of their business, right? Um you know, you think about it, they missed mobile, uh, the cloud wasn't going to necessarily be Windows. Um, you had all these people running these slick laptops that weren't going to be running Windows. Windows is obviously still new now a thing and Windows 11 is out and so forth. But I think they probably had to have sort of a, you know, a, 
as they say, come to Jesus moment around, is the operating system the center of our future, or does it need to be much more than that? Does it need to be above that? Right. And I think they, they proved that to a certain extent as Microsoft Office could begin to run um, not only on other operating systems like Mac, but they were able to transition from being a very software-centric business, a download business, a bo- uh, you know, software-in-a-box business, to the cloud. And, and that's another, you know, so, so not only did they move out of being Windows-centric, so they had to you know, change their identity upon the operating system, they had to change their identity from being a software company to being a cloud company. And, you know, they went through some fits and starts. Um, they've made huge investments, obviously, in their in their data centers and their cloud expertise and so forth. They've gone through some fits and starts. They had some outages. Um, but they learned from Bing. They learned from the good and the bad of Bing. They learned from gaming. Um, they learned from, you know, some of the early things that went on in Azure. Uh, and they, you know, they continue to learn there. And I think they've, you know, also continued to, to acquire assets that are helping them learn and grow. So, you know, you look at things like, GitLab, or I'm sorry, GitHub, and you look at things like LinkedIn, you know, organizations that run large cloud-based environments and so forth. So they went through these big changes, right? They had to change the way that they interacted with developers, right? Developers, uh, they have a very strong relationship with Microsoft. They had to change the way that they delivered software. They went from a software company to a cloud company. They had to move from Windows-centric, everything Windows-centric, to being Windows agnostic, OS agnostic, supporting Linux, supporting other types of technologies, other databases. It wasn't just SQL and so forth. And so, you know, they had to go through those those pretty huge changes. And and if you think about your company, uh, whether you work for a technology company or you work for somebody else, you know, to sort of have the intestinal fortitude and to have the ability to change the core DNA of your company um, and be able to move away from a technology that was making you billions and billions of dollars and was at the core of what you were doing, but to realize that the industry had moved from that is is a huge, huge thing. You know, and if we think about kind of where Microsoft is today, um, you know, they are a they're a company like we said that uh, not Windows centric. Um, Windows is still a part of what they do, but it's it's part of what they do. They are no longer software-centric. They're a cloud company. And they went through a lot of fits and starts as far as how do we help customers migrate to the cloud? How do we create a like-for-life-like experience where it makes sense? How do we incentivize the people who had previously sold or supported software to now be part of the cloud? They made some acquisitions that were really, really developer-focused, right? We've seen not only things like GitHub, which, uh, you know, has obviously been in the news, but, you know, is a, a tremendous asset in terms of being part of every developer's everyday experience. We've seen them make evolutions of VS Code. We've seen them embrace open source. You know, I can't believe I got this far into the podcast and had sort of forgotten about open source. But, you know, 2014, open source wasn't part of the Microsoft DNA. And now you look at, you know, open source communities and Microsoft is is one of the largest contributors. You know, not only are they contributing code, they're contributing to docs, they're acquiring companies that are, uh, you know, heavily into um, into open source. Um, so, you know, they've, they've gotten away from that Balmer mentality of open source is cancer to open source is something that people want. And then they, they also, you know, have started to the leapfrog in places. You would have thought, well, you know, they missed mobile. Maybe they're going to come back and try and do mobile again. You know, they had bought Nokia. Steve Ballmer tried to get them into that. They sort of learned that lesson. They moved past it. But now they are back in hardware, right? They're in hardware with Xbox, but they're also in hardware with Surface, right? They felt like uh, they got away from, you know, purely OEMing uh, Windows to, um, 
uh, you know, to, to third-party laptop providers, and now they have their own, right? And they've realized, you know, that you've got to be able to transition from, you know, only a certain channel to market, route to market, certain way of interacting with your ecosystem to, you know, there's an opportunity for the customers that want a very specific hardware and software combined experience. And so that's another area that's been really, really interesting to watch them transition to. So, you know, you think about all the things that Microsoft has had to go through, that Satya Nadella has helped them transition through, you know, uh, proprietary to open source, software to cloud, Windows to uh, OS agnostic, you know, the willingness to, uh, you know, work with different technology partners, I mean, than they had worked in before, you know, getting into new areas that weren't a big when they first got started, like gaming and some other things. And I think another thing that they've done really, really well, um, and, you know, this is maybe something that differentiates them from some of the other cloud providers, and we'll see how much of a, of a role this really plays uh, in how customers decide to buy in the cloud. I know it has some influence in certain industries is they really haven't tried to, um, you know, get into the industries that a lot of their customers are in. Yes, they're in gaming and yes, they're in devices and certain things. So there's some overlap with, with how they deal with their ecosystem, but you know, you don't see them getting into banking. You don't see them getting into, um, you know, trying to replace the you know things in healthcare. They sort of partner with healthcare, right? They're, they're not doing some of the things that some of the other cloud providers do that sometimes gives some customers some pause. Now, does that totally affect whether they buy or not? Eh, depends on the industry, right? We see some industries where it's more prevalent. Maybe it's retail and some others. Um, but they are still sort of the, uh, I guess, agnostic cloud, if you will. If you talk to, to buyers, you talk to companies and so forth, they still, you know, they've got a very deep relationship with Microsoft. And so as I think about, you know, not only um, where they are today, uh, they're, you know, Depending on how you account for Azure, we've talked about this a million times in the show. Um, you know, are their numbers the same as Azure or in the ballpark? That's a little hard to tell. Some people will say, "No, they're only half the size of AWS." Others will say, "No, they're they're you know relatively close. They're in the ballpark." Again, it has to do with how they do accounting. They account for more than uh, just what's in Azure. They call it intelligent cloud, so it involves some on-premise software as well. Um, but you know, we've really seen them go through transitions and really hard transitions, right? Like they really aren't tied to too, too many things that were there, you know, even five, six years, seven years ago. And, you know, for those of you that are sort of new to the space and, and never knew Microsoft to be doing those things, they were pretty adamant. They were pretty adamant about, you know, owning, you know, certain ways, being very opinionated about certain ways. And so I think, you know, as I get back to the original sort of question at the top of the show is, you know, will we see you know, any cloud sort of take off? Will we see any dynamic sort of change? You know, I think the the mindset, the DNA that Satya Nadella has been able to infuse into Microsoft, the ability to, you know, work through how do we transition from, uh, you know, one core technology, core philosophy, core DNA to something really different has been very interesting, you know. And I looked back and I, and I looked at the different stock prices of, of a bunch of companies around that same time in 2014. And while Amazon is up about 10x in terms of stock price, uh, Microsoft is up 7x, 7.5x. Um, Apple is also up about 7x. Uh, and Google's only up about 4 to 5x in that same time frame. So, you know, they've been very, very competitive. Uh, you know, why they're not necessarily mentioned with the FANG companies, 
I don't totally know. Maybe it just doesn't make sense for the acronym. Uh, but you know, if I we've said this over and over again, you know, if I'm if I'm looking at the one cloud company that I feel like is doing things really different and both meeting their customer needs, but also having made really interesting investments and interesting in the sense of, again, able to break the mold, able to transition. You know, they're a very large company, um, but able to really listen to the market, kind of put their pride down sometimes. I think Microsoft's been really interesting. And I think as we look at the list of things that, you know, they've been able to transition just, you know, in a short period of time, six, seven years. Um, You know, and I didn't even mention uh, like collaboration teams is doing very, very well. Um, You know, we saw them do very, very well in the pandemic and so forth. So they've sort of learned, you know, how to be, you know, a company that can work both with large enterprises, but remote companies and so forth. So, you know, I think uh, as we dig into it, uh, Amazon's always very interesting, lots of innovation and so forth. The other thing I thought was really interesting, and I'll leave with sort of this one sort of note that I I found as I was digging into it, Microsoft has done 85 acquisitions since Satya Nadella joined in 2014. 85 acquisitions, you know, 85 acquisitions over seven years. What does that work out to be uh, about 14 15, something in that range, 13 to 15 a year. Um, that's a lot. And, and that means that your company has has embraced not only internal innovation, but also willingness to go off, find new technologies, things to bolster what you're doing. Um, and I think, you know, you got to have a balance of those two things. The companies that, that are really successful over time, both can balance what you build internally, but also have an engine for being able to to acquire, leverage the assets that you have. So I think it's been really interesting to watch Microsoft. I think is, you know, I think about that question that that was asked of, you know, do we expect to see any any really big changes? I think Microsoft's one to keep an eye on just in terms of, you know, their they've shown that they can really, really transition from, you know, a big stable base, um, which is hard because people worry about, you know, will the stock price go down? Will we lose customers to a much, much bigger stable base and a much, much bigger growing base? So with that, I'm going to kind of wrap it up. Um, You know, I I kind of call this show, um, you know, the transformation of Microsoft. I think it's really been uh, the leadership of Satya Nadella uh, and obviously his his team around that. But uh, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. I think, uh, you know, as we get into the next you know, five years, decade of, of computing and cloud computing and edge computing. Um, you know, I think it's really interesting to not only watch where innovation happens, but also how companies that have established places transition. Because as we mentioned at the top, it's really, really hard to transition as new paradigms happen. And there's only a few companies that ever really make it through that. Microsoft is showing that they they plan to be one of those companies. So with that, I'm going to kind of wrap it up. Hope you've enjoyed this uh, Sunday perspective show. Um, it was fun to sort of dig into some of the numbers behind uh, how Microsoft's been evolving and and really kind of looking at their strategy, looking at how they've evolved. So hope you've enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoy uh, you know the shows each week, both Sundays and Wednesdays. Thanks again for telling a friend. Thanks for helping us grow the community. Uh, we're always amazed at not only you know how the community grows, but but where it, where it is and where it reaches and you know, a hundred plus countries, which is just blows our mind. So thank you as always for that. Thank you for everybody who gives us feedback on the show. You know, give us a rating on Apple podcast or Spotify or anywhere else that you get your, uh, get your podcast. And so with that, we're going to wrap up and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.